630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite team. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. And it's Dave Campbell and for Reed Wilkins tonight. Brendan Escott tomorrow and Thursday. I'll be heading off to Hamilton tomorrow to prepare for the Elks at 0-3, taking on the Hamilton Tiger Cats at 0-3 on Canada Day at Tim Hortons Field. Four o'clock is countdown to kickoff with Brendan, Blake Dermott, and Morley and I will be along with the call at 5.30. The injury report, most significant name was James Wilder Jr., limited with a shoulder injury. It was just a very light workout today, more of a walkthrough and uh, we'll see what the injury report says tomorrow they have a close practice uh, Brady Sheldon looks like he's uh, going to or at least give him himself a shot to start in the linebacking core he played in week two against the Riders pretty good he had uh, eight defensive tackles that uh, was pretty strong uh, so we'll see what happens there other than that it doesn't look like there's going to be at least on the surface massive changes for this game which uh, may be a good thing uh, for the Elks a uh, 4-2 lead the Jays over the Boston Red Sox they are in the top of the sixth inning uh, played the comment from uh, Steven Stamkos about you know we know what it's like to win and we know what they're doing they're in the Colorado Avalanche and that makes it sting even worse because we know what it feels like to win uh, yesterday if you remember I played a Pat Maroon comment and he said you will be shocked when you hear the injury report well it was revealed today Boy, were there a lot of injuries. Braden Point, to start, had a quad tear, which uh, occurred in Game 7 of the first-round series against the Toronto Maple Leafs, and I believe he only played one or two games after that. Uh, a lot of AC joint sprains. Anthony Sorelli, uh, Nick Paul, Corey Perry. Nick Paul also had an MCL sprain. Pierre-Edward uh, Pierre Belmar, meniscus injury. Nikita Kucherov, meniscus injury. Ryan McDonough, finger injury. That was suffered in the... Eastern Conference Final. Now the uh, general manager of the Lightning, Julian Brisebois, said all players are expected to make full recoveries. And I mean, this is a team that played what almost seventy-five games uh, since the start of the uh, the start of their run, uh, their back-to-back titles back on August first in the bubble here. Uh, well, I guess in Toronto, and they ended up winning here in Edmonton. Uh, that's a lot of games. So we bring in Bob Stoffer from the uh, Oilers Radio Network and uh, the host of Oilers now. Man, oh, man, I'm, I just marvel at all these injuries that these players put up with, especially this time of the year, and you get the list of how many players were hurt and dealing with what. I mean, the lightning, my goodness, that's an infirmary. Yeah, absolutely, Dave, and it's good to hear you. And I can still hear it in your voice a little bit. As you know, um, I was in Chicago uh, at the tail end of a 10-day road trip when uh, uh, when I had a little bit of battle uh, with uh, with COVID and got held out of the mm-hmm. lineup. I uh, wasn't able to move out of my hotel for five days in Chicago and then went to Bakersfield. And speaking of James uh, Wilder Jr., as you know, he played at Florida State. That was a yep. team that was quarterbacked by Jameis Winston, and they stayed at the same hotel as us. Um, we were playing the Anaheim Ducks out of the... Uh, uh, Orange Coast uh, Weston and uh, I remember walking right past Winston and uh, they had three Devontae Freeman was in the backfield on that team and uh, they came back and Auburn had a, a considerable early lead that was the year that Auburn had the answered prayer from uh, in O'Hare on a touchdown pass by Nick Marshall who 
Last time I saw was playing defensive back for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I don't know where he is now. One of the better ones in the league, too. Yeah. All right. So he was a quarterback at Auburn at that time. And then they got the the, the uh, kick six on the missed field goal return for my beloved Alabama that year against mm-hmm. Auburn. So Auburn was a huge... Uh, you know the SEC power that year. They they'd gotten a little bit lucky to have knocked off both Georgia and uh, Alabama, and ultimately Florida State uh, ultimately came back in that game. They were down like twenty three to nine at one point, and they ended up winning it. Final uh, uh, couple plays and Wilder Jr. and you remember his dad James Wilder with. Uh, uh, he played the National Football League in over two seasons mm-hmm. in Tampa Bay. He had 750 carries, led the NFL in rush attempts in back-to-back seasons. So it's a small world when you think about it, and I'm glad to hear you're, you're back and you're traveling. That's good. And you know what? Injuries come with the territory. you got to play hurt. It doesn't matter what the sport is. you got to, you know, people make fun of, you know, baseball players playing with, you know, they can't play with hangnails, but the reality of the situation <laughs> is you want to hold a bat and the reverberation on the bat you get a finger injury and it hurts, and it's the same with hockey, yep. you know. So I'm not surprised. I mean, if you had told me after game six when Edmonton played in Los Angeles the next morning, Jack Michaels and myself sat there as we were doing the Jay Woodcroft media availability in the uh, the training room was in the, the adjacent room, and I saw Leon Dreisettle wearing slippers coming walking into the room, the room, and I looked at Jack, and he looked at me, and we're like, there's no chance he's playing game seven. Yeah. Well, he played game seven. And then he put up more points per game in a playoff series than anybody else in NHL history, 17 points in five games. So this is what yeah. these guys do. I'm not going to say, you know, it's a war and any of that stuff, but I am going to tell you that uh, the best athletes commit all in and they're prepared to pay the price. and just comes with the territory. Well, and, and just on the on the same vein of, you know, the, the same train of thought here on Dreisaitl, I was at Game 4 of the Western Conference Final. I got to take my son to the game, and my six-year-old son. His first ever National Hockey League game, Bob, was Game 4 of the Western Conference Final. Dad did pretty good that night. Uh, yep. <laughs> and here is Leon Dreisaitl. I mean, I felt legitimately bad for the guy. I was really, really hurting for the guy just because I just saw him just struggle to get up, struggle to move. And then he just sit there in the face-off dot and just do his thing. And he got four assists that night. The respect <laughs> he draws from the opposition was oh, remarkable for a guy that can't move. But they were so they they were freaked out because he he can pass the puck so well. Well, and there are players that will tell you that off the rush, McDavid's the most dangerous player in the world, Dave. But in the offensive zone cycle, Leon Drysettle's best player in the world because he can make plays on his forehand and on his backhand. And he can really shoot the puck. Like, I mean, he had the second most goals this year to Austin Matthews, and Austin is a special player. But Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner both have now played 39 playoff games. They have 33 points in those 39 games, and they've never won a playoff mm-hmm. series. And McDavid finished with 33, and Drysettle finished with 32 points in 16 playoff games this year. So they are seen differently than the Toronto guys. Um, you know, Edmonton had, relatively speaking, a good season. Uh, I'm here to tell you that I believe if Leon and Darnell Nurse were were healthy, the Oilers would have won at least one and possibly two of the games against Colorado. But I don't believe for a second they would have beaten the Avs. Like to me, the Avs were the best yeah. team. I'm not. And, and if Braden Point plays, maybe Colorado wins in seven instead of six. But I think you got to acknowledge how good Colorado was. They've been building. Um, they've got a guy that works for the organization. You've heard me talk about him in the past. His name is Chris McFarland. He was Scott Housen's number two in Columbus for a number of years. He mm-hmm. brought Jared Bednar from Columbus to Colorado to replace Patty Waugh after Patrick Waugh basically quit on the entire program in the summer of 2016. 
and Chris McFarlane is going to be the future GM of Colorado, maybe this, maybe in the next couple of weeks. But that organization focused on uh, speed and skill. And Chris tells me every time he sees me stuff, you guys are half a year to a year behind us. You're going to be right there. You're coming right on our tail, and we know that. And we're just mm -hmm. a little bit ahead of you. And don't forget, we got McKinnon number one in 2013, Landeskog number two in 2011, and then they got uh, the difference maker is is two things. They got Makar fourth overall mm -hmm. in 2017 in a year in which they they fell out of the top three. Like they were supposed to have a top three pick that year in the lottery, and they fell out of it. Um, despite the fact that they have one of the worst seasons in the last 30 years in the NHL. In fact, I think they had the worst season in the last 30 years in the NHL mm -hmm. in 2016-17. So they got McCarr, and then the other thing that they did is they got Devin Tays for two number twos. And what happened is their, their analytics department, which Chris heads up, targeted specific players um, that were on, on other organizations that had cap challenges, and they gave up the two number twos to get Devin Tays, and Tays and McCarr played 25 minutes a game together. And mm -hmm. the Oilers gave up two number twos to get 13 games out of Andreas Athanasio. And the Oilers had a consultant for their analytics department suggest that a target should be Devin Tays. But they ultimately, and, and so what I'm telling you is now Edmonton's got the defense coming. This was with some bigger prospects on the back end. And Colorado is going to have some challenges getting everybody signed because they got so many pending UFAs. So the yeah. abs are really good. They were better than Edmonton this year. And we'll see what happens over the course of the offseason to see if Edmonton can close the gap on them. Bob Stoffer from the Oilers Radio Network and the host of Oilers Now on 6.30 Chet from noon until 2, uh, joining us from uh, he, on uh, 6.30 Chet Inside Sports. Okay, busy couple of weeks coming up. Uh, next week is the draft, and then you got the buyout period, and then you have the qualifying offers that I believe are going to be, uh, what, I think it's Ju July 11th is the deadline, and then you got the signing season, which is uh, the free agency season, which is uh, uh, July the 13th. So we got a busy couple of weeks or so coming up we know the Oilers got some key RFAs and you know a lot of talk about Pooley RV and McLeod and Yamamoto and then you got some key UFAs and Evander Kane and and and, and Brett Kulak uh, I don't know where you want to start here but uh, well, how, how busy right now, and, I believe that yeah. this is going to be a super busy week and I think the Oilers are going to make more trades than people think okay oh, okay so let's let's establish that right out of the gate I think they're going to do everything possible to bring back Kane and Kulak if I was going to guess, I'm going to say they're going to get Kulak done first, and then they'll get, you know, they got a lot to work with with Kane because of the arbitration in San Jose, and ultimately the resolution might be a trade with San Jose. So people need right. to keep in mind on that. Um, Edmonton's going to have to move out some uh, money. Now, some of it might take care of itself. We got to wait and see what happens here with Mike Smith, and we got to wait and see what happens here with Duncan Keith. As most of the listeners know, those guys were given to June 30th to decide. Um, I think there's an outside chance you can see Cassian traded, possibly with an asset, to mm -hmm. relieve the final two years of that deal. Time will tell in that regard. I mean, that's a mechanism that has to be uh, taken a look at. I could see Fogel in play. I think there's teams interested in Fogel, and I think there's teams interested in Tyson Berry. Uh, I believe the Oilers have some redundancy on the right side with offensive defensemen because I think Bouchard's on the verge of you know, being a 60-point NHL defenseman if he plays in the power play. Yeah. I guess what uh, I'm suggesting to you, Dave, is yeah. I think there's going to be a lot of movement. I don't 100% know right now on Mike Smith or on mm -hmm. Duncan Keith. I'll say that Smith's probably 50-50 in playing next year, and I think Keith's probably 75-25 that he plays, but no guarantee on either. 
And so we could see a lot of movement here between now and, say, July the 15th with the hockey team. Well, that'll be very interesting. Uh, I know I pulled you away from something here, and I appreciate you taking some time. And you'll, you'll like me even more because there will be no quiz for Stoffer tonight. Uh, hey, thanks. Great hearing you back on. I, I know you're doing some hits in with Brendan the other night, Dave. Have a safe flight tomorrow to Hamilton. Okay, buddy. Thank you so much. That's Bob Stoffer. Yeah, he's at a dinner tonight, and he said, you know what? For you, Dave, I'll do it. That's pretty classy. I like that. I always like talking to Bob. Uh, yeah, it's interesting when he talked about the Evander Kane deal because the arbitration hasn't been decided. And I, I heard a little bit with him and Speck last week, and David Stables had something uh, more along the lines of the effect if, 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 if Kane wins his arbitration case, then technically he's still under contract with the, with the San Jose Sharks. And then that could trigger a trade and that could trigger maybe some contracts moving out like a Pugliarvi or a Cassian or a Fogel, you know, something like that. It was, it was kind of like, it seemed a little far fetched, but you know, Bob and you know, I've always said you have to listen to Bob's show very carefully and listen to what Bob says. Cause uh, you know, Bob's trying to tell you certain things that are in play here. And, uh, you know, he said, I, I, this team has more cap space than you think. So that, that got me thinking that Evander Kane is not necessarily out of, out of the mix here. Not saying he's coming back, but the arbitration case may play into this because that hasn't been settled yet. His, uh, the grievance with the San Jose Sharks and his contract, because, you know, the Sharks want out of that contract and they want, they want the, you know, I want to be free and clear, but Kane may win that case and he may still be under contract for for the current terms that he's under. So what what he what he what was it two million last year he played for? I think one and a half, two million, somewhere in that range. So yeah, it, it's a little complicated, but uh that's uh that's an interesting scenario that what if Kane wins the arbitration case, still is the San Jose Shark, and then a trade is triggered with the Oilers that would actually reacquire his reacquire Kane through a trade from the San Jose Sharks. That would be wild. But yeah, we have a, a busy period coming up in the National Hockey League with the offseason and Bob hinting that there could be some things happening this week. Perhaps Brett Kulak, maybe something else. <laughs> they might be busy with trades. Uh, June 30th is the deadline to see if uh, Mike Smith and, and, and Duncan Keith will play next year. You heard what Bob thought about that. Draft is next Thursday and Friday, and then you have the buyout period in, involved in that as well. Arbitration, or sorry, the qualifying offers, I believe July 11th is the date, July 13th. It's, uh, it's free agency time, and the Oilers expect it to be quite active. 7.20, it is Campbell in for Wilkie on 6.30 Chat Inside Sports. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta Injury Lawyers, the heavy hitters of injury law. Back with more Inside Sports here. It is Campbell in for Wilkins. Hey, Connor McDavid, he didn't win the uh, didn't win the Hart Trophy, didn't win the uh, the uh, Ted Lindsay Award. Maybe he'll win an ESPY. Yeah, he's nominated for an SB for the best NHL player, along with Austin Matthews, Roman Yossi, Igor Shesterkin, 
So I don't know, Kellen, maybe he'll win a, an SB. That'd be a first. And maybe I don't think an Oiler has ever won an SB at all, so that, that definitely would be a first. You might be right. You might be right. Absolutely. Uh, also, should mention the uh, WHL Awards tonight. Uh, the first Kamloops Blazer to win the award in 35 years, the CHL Player of the Year, is Logan Stankovic. Pretty impressive. 104 points this season. Led the WHL in playoff scoring 17 goals and 31 points. Xavier Bourgeau of the uh, Shawinigan Cataracts. Of course, the draft pick of the Oilers last year in the first mm. round. Two goals, five assists, seven points. Uh, Shawinigan eliminated in the semifinal last night by the Hamilton Bulldogs, who will play the St. John Sea Dogs in the uh, Memorial Cup final tomorrow. So was the last Blazer to win that award 35 years ago uh, one of our guys on staff here? <laughs> oh, my gosh. You might be right. Yeah. yeah. Did, Brownie won player of the year. Yep. There Holy we go. smokes. Boy, if he wasn't in Vegas, he'd be on the show right now. <laughs> that, I tell you, that Rob Brown. <laughs> we need to, he needs to start like a YouTube series or something like that. That man is entertaining as all get out and... Man, you can yeah, never tell where right. he is. So, <laughs> I think you're right, though. I think he did win that award. Just let let me look on his uh, Wikipedia page. Ah, there we go. That's how we do things now, kids. Uh, for a long time. Okay, let's see here. Uh, he won CHL Player of the Year for the '86 '87 season. So Th that would be 35 years ago. Yeah, that's 35 years. Wow. There we go. Logan Stankhoven. Now wins this award, the first Blazer since Rob Brown, our very own Rob Brown, 35 years ago, mm -hmm. uh, winning in 86-87. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Uh, a guest that we have had on this show a couple times in the past, Edmonton Oil Kings defenseman Luke Prokop, named CHL Humanitarian of the Year by the Canadian Hockey League. He announced on July 19, 2021, that he was gay, becoming the first openly gay hockey player signed to an NHL contract and uh, has been a trailblazer for the LGBTQ two movement mm. and uh, past 10 months he's done countless interviews including on this show just raising awareness and telling his story and yeah. uh, Luke is a great story and a great individual and if you so. haven't seen the Sportsnet feature that they did up on him during the Memorial Cup watch it it is a solid seven minutes of documentary filmmaking it's great tremendous yeah absolutely and looking forward to our next guest as well uh, after the news update uh, from the uh, 630 Chat 24 hour news center that is Ahir Aguak from Edmonton He's a forward for the Edmonton Stingers. Uh, great story. Played at Harry Ainley. Won a couple uh, championships there. Then went on to the NCAA. Now he's here playing pro ball at home in a pretty cool league in the Canadian League Basketball League. We'll be joined by here, Aguak, in a moment on 630 Chet Inside Sports. It is Campbell in for Wilkins. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.